Welcome to Master Your Relationship Mind Drama. Teaching you how to manage your mind so that you can create relationships you love. And now, here's your host, certified relationship coach and expert in all things love, friendship and mind drama, Rebecca Orr. Hi guys, how is everybody doing this week? I'm not going to lie, I do not feel so good (laughs) and I feel like recording my last podcast episode I was feeling shit as well and I just have this reoccurring cold and cough that just keeps coming back and won't go away and I don't know if anyone else has been having the same thing but over the weekend I thought great I'm finally feeling better and then Monday comes around and bam my voice is gone and I can barely speak. But hey, I'm feeling a little bit better now, um, but still not 100%. So I'm sorry if I sound a little bit full of it, (laughs) a bit of a sore throat. I'm sat here with a nice honey and lemon tea. So hopefully that will help. And I'm under my nice heated blanket. So (laughs) anyway, this week's episode is all about validation vending machines, which is a term I first heard used by Cara Lowenthal, who is one of my all-time favorite teachers and mentors. And I'm not 100% sure if she came up with it or if she heard it from somebody else. But anyway, I heard it from her. And it's a term used to describe the way we tend to use other people in our lives for sources of validation. So to validate to us that we are likable or good enough or fun or interesting or attractive, whatever it is. And we're believing that somebody outside of us has the power to determine that or prove it true to us. And if they don't do certain things or they don't respond to us in the way that we'd like, they don't text us, they don't call us, they don't invite us somewhere, then it means that we have to believe we weren't good enough, we weren't likeable, we weren't attractive or interesting, whatever. And as you'll all know from my other podcast episodes, especially the one on trying to control others, we've been incorrectly taught from a very young age that people are responsible for how we feel. And that what people say and do is what creates our emotions. So naturally, our intense desire for external validation is going to increase because we believe that what they do is going to make, and I'm using air quotes if you can see me, um, it's going to make us feel either good or bad about ourselves. So then we head into our romantic relationships or even friendships. It definitely was friendships for me as well very hypersensitive and aware of what everyone else was doing (laughs) because we're constantly looking to them to decide how we get to feel about ourselves whether we get to feel okay about ourselves or not good enough acceptable and we end up using the people we're in relationships with as validation vending machines which as Cara always says means We're wanting to be able to push a button to get the exact validation that we want. We want them to send the text messages written with the exact words that we'd like them to say or the apology to be delivered in a particular way that we want it to be said. Also that we can get that dopamine hit of validation so that we can finally allow ourselves to believe we're good enough. So here's some examples of how you might be using the people in your life as emotional validation vending machines. Let's start with romantic partners. Maybe you're constantly on red alert for signs of rejection 
and looking for evidence in all of their messages as to whether they really like you or not. Maybe you silently keep score of who texted first or how many times they said, I love you. Maybe you have very set ways you'd like them to show that they care about you, like buying you flowers or initiating sex a certain amount. And if they don't do it, you then feel terrible because you're making it mean you're not good enough or something negative about you. And then you blame them for making you feel bad. In friendships, it's the same thing. But obviously, the examples are going to be slightly different. Maybe you keep score of who initiated first. I know I've definitely done that. How many times they've reached out to you. Or maybe you compare the amount they see other friends to how often they see you. Or maybe you take everything they say very personally and you're constantly interpreting everything as signs that they're rejecting you and not liking you. Basically, if whatever they're doing is a problem because it makes you feel badly about you, as in you're not good enough, interesting enough, attractive enough, lovable enough. This is how you know you're using your partner or friend for validation. You're using their behavior to continuously debate your enoughness. You've like linked the two in your brain. You've linked their behavior to your good enoughness, attractiveness, fun enoughness, whatever it is. You've linked them in your brain. So now you're basing how you get to feel about yourself on the choices and the actions that they take. So if they text me and ask me to hang out, I can feel happy and cared about and worthy. And if they don't, I have to feel not good enough and insecure. And we can use all kinds of people as validation vending machines. We can use partners we've had in our lives for years or friends we've known for decades Or we can use someone we matched with on Tinder last week. (laughs) I know we've all been there. And if your brain is in this habit, you'll likely recall how each and every person you've been with or every new friend you've made, they've suddenly become the person that you've then done this with. Each boyfriend or girlfriend has become the keeper of the keys as to whether you feel good enough and likable enough. And their opinion of you and behavior towards you has been the thing that determines how you get to feel about yourself. And then that relationship ends and oh, now Joe on Tinder is the new judge. Will he message today? Will he prove I'm worthy? Let's find out. (laughs) If they text me today, I get to feel good. If they don't, I'll have to feel bad. If they don't want to hang out this weekend, I will have to feel like I'm not good enough and rejected. And if they do, I get to believe I'm good enough and fun to be around. You see how you're basing your opinion and belief about you on the opinions and behaviors of others and believing they need to do something to prove to you that you are good enough and okay. And I want to be really honest when I say this, this is a huge thing that I've struggled with. Really, really, I cannot stress enough how much this has been probably the biggest thing I've had to work on in my own self-coaching. And it does not make you a bad person. It makes you a very, very, very normal human. Our whole lives we've been taught that what other people think about us dictates our value. And especially as a woman, if you've been socialized as a woman, you'll also have been taught that your romantic relationships are a good measure for how good enough and valuable you are. It's the idea of getting chosen or being picked. We subconsciously think that once we are chosen, and I'm doing, again, air quotes, because two people choose to be in a relationship. One doesn't pluck the other off a shelf and pick them. But we all subconsciously think that once we get into that romantic relationship, 
we'll finally have proven how lovable we are and worthy and we'll finally get to feel good enough. Which, my friends, I hate to say, does not work. (laughs) Because if we're still believing our worth, value, attractiveness, good enoughness, likability, lovability, whatever it is, is based on this external person's opinion of us and their decision to date us or hang out with us, then it's forever going to be unstable. It will never be set. It could change at any given moment because their thoughts and feelings about us could always change. I remember Carla Lowenthal actually coaching me on this once and she helped me see I was seeing my worth and value like the stock market. Like it was going up and down based on things and people outside of me. And it felt so exhausting because I could never be done. It was never settled. I could never rest easy that I was good enough because other people's opinions of me or actions towards me or choice to hang out with me or be with me could change at any moment. So every day I had to keep checking in with people. Do you still like me? Am I still okay? Has anything changed? (laughs) And believing that the people in your life are there to make you feel good and validate you isn't only a recipe for anxiety and insecurity, it also just doesn't work. Because other people do not create our feelings, our own thoughts do. Say if somebody said to you, you look nice today. Maybe momentarily you're like, yes, They said, I look nice today. That means I'm attractive. I'm like, I'm acceptable. I look good. And then you feel that emotion. You feel validated. You feel good. But then an hour or so later, our own mean thoughts about ourselves will tend to creep in. And suddenly we want to push the button again. We want the validation to come again. We need it again, again, again. It's almost addictive, the highs and lows we create from this. And the craziest thing is, it's never actually them creating your feeling of validation anyway. Think about it. If someone says, you look nice today, your brain could totally have the thought, yay, I'm attractive and acceptable and get a little hit of validation or dopamine. Or it could have the thought, they're lying, they just feel sorry for me, I look terrible and feel shame and embarrassment. Your own brain is creating the positive emotion or the negative emotion the whole time. So that validation you feel didn't come from what they said. It came from what you made their words mean. It came from you choosing to believe it just because they said it to you. But you still had to believe it to feel any emotional shift at all. Your brain still had to to have that thought. For myself and a lot of my clients, there's kind of this subconscious idea that if other people think it, it must be true. So if other people think I'm good enough or funny or attractive or likable, then it's a fact. But other people's opinions are no more true than your own opinions. They're totally optional. If one person doesn't find you attractive, that's one option. That's one opinion. That doesn't mean it's a fact that you're unattractive because there are millions of people out there that might think the exact opposite. But we let the optional opinions of one person or maybe even a group of people way more than our own opinions of ourselves. Maybe you put on an outfit and you like it and then your partner says that they don't love that dress that you're wearing and suddenly you doubt it. Maybe the dress is ugly, I shouldn't be wearing it, it doesn't suit me. But their opinion is no more valid than your own and the dress isn't ugly or not ugly, it's just a dress, it just exists and a million people could have a million different opinions about it. Some would think it's cute, some would think it's 
boring, some would think it's too short, some would think it's too long. (laughs) The entire planet would not be able to agree on the cuteness level of your dress. (laughs) Just like the entire planet cannot agree on what's attractive, or what's funny, or what's interesting. We would not all be able to agree on who's boring or who's fun to hang out with. We all have very different, again, optional opinions. So really starting to notice how when you're hungry for other people to agree with your opinion or validate what you want to believe about yourself, you're subconsciously believing that if they agreed, it would make it more true. And I'm going to repeat that because it's really important. When you're hungry for other people to agree with your opinion or validate what you want to believe about yourself, you're subconsciously believing that if they agreed, it would make it more true. I remember when I was working on my friendship anxiety, I used my friendships to determine if I was likable, total validation vending machine (laughs) going on there. And so I used someone not liking me, or should I say not wanting to hang out with me, the amount that I wanted to hang out with them, mean that I wasn't likable. And I remember one of my coaches at the time asked me, how many people would need to like you for you to believe that you are likable? And the truth was, The answer was everybody (laughs) because I already had people in my life that liked me but my brain would continuously make any one person who didn't seem to want to hang out with me mean that I wasn't good enough. So my brain's logic was if I was truly likeable everyone would like me which when we really look at it like under a spotlight we can see is total bullshit. (laughs) There is no human alive who everyone likes and wants to hang out with. Even Beyonce has haters. Even Beyonce has been rejected. And what was really happening was I was using each person I came into contact with as a validation vending machine. And I was using their behavior and choices to try and prove to myself that I was likable. So when they didn't spit out the validation that I wanted, (laughs) I made it mean terrible things about myself and felt awful. And then I blamed them for how I felt. And this is the thing. Your brain will always look for evidence to prove its beliefs true. So if you believe you're fun and likable, your brain is going to notice all the evidence that supports that notion. Just like if you believe you're not good enough and not interesting or enough or fun enough, your brain is coincidentally going to report back with all the evidence that proves that true and dismiss all the evidence that contradicts it. And I again want to say that if you're resonating with this podcast, it's not because there's something wrong with you. There are multiple reasons why your brain operates in this way. One is evolution. We evolved from small tribes where rejection would have equal death. So to the primitive brain, the notion of rejection is very scary. Two, you may be had experiences with your parents or caregivers where your brain witnessed their behavior and made it mean something about you. For example, if your parent was hot and cold and maybe emotionally reactive, as a child, you didn't know that their behavior wasn't anything to do with you. So you decided that their behavior was a reflection of you and your good enoughness. Your brain likely learned to monitor and try and read and predict the behavior of others in order to feel safe and okay. And thirdly and finally, socialization. Again, we live in a world where women especially are taught that their worth and value is tied to their relationship status. So we've been spoon-fed that narrative from a young age, that being in a relationship means you've been chosen and you're worthy compared to if you're single. 
I also think high school and popularity, fame, social media, all plays a part too. I think we're subconsciously taught that the more friends we have, the more likes we get, that means we are more valuable and worthy in some way compared to other humans. So really, your brain didn't stand a chance. (laughs) It's been taught to use people as validation vending machines since the moment you were born. And it's been constantly scanning for signs of rejection and debating your enoughness since then. So what's the solution? The only solution is to work on creating a foundation of self-acceptance that isn't hinged on what others think of you. It's to work on your own beliefs about you and really accepting yourself and believing you're worthy, valuable and good enough regardless of what other human agrees or disagrees whether they like you, dislike you, want to text you back or want to date you. Now, this is no easy feat, but I also want to simplify it to you in a way that doesn't make it feel really overwhelming or, you know, too difficult and too big. It really comes down to what you think about you and choosing those thoughts intentionally, which is what thought work is all about. So for a moment, just consider what is it you feel like you're constantly trying to determine based on the actions of others? Is it whether you're likeable enough? Is it whether you're interesting or fun or smart or attractive enough? Whatever it is, really allow yourself to reflect on how that thing is actually totally subjective and made up. That there is no such thing as objectively interesting or fun because none of us can agree on that and that a hundred people would meet you and have a hundred different opinions about that. And the only reason you want other people to think it is so that you can give yourself permission to believe it. I always like to use the example of celebrities when I talk about things like this. And recently I did an Instagram post about Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is, of course, very well known. She's famous, meaning a lot of human brains have heard her music and formed opinions about it. So because of the quantity of people that have heard her music, yes, of course, she has a lot of people who like her. A lot of brains have had thoughts that create like about her music. But with that also comes a lot of people whose brains have had thoughts about her that create dislike and they dislike her and they dislike her music. But imagine if Taylor Swift made people not liking her or her music mean she wasn't talented or good enough. Imagine if she decided that without the validation and approval of all the people who didn't want to listen to her music, she couldn't believe she was a great artist. It would be crazy, right? But she gets to believe she's a great artist, even though there's loads of people out there, thousands, millions maybe, that don't want to listen to her music and don't like it. She still gets to believe that she's valuable and bringing value to the world. Just like I get to believe I'm a great friend and fun to hang out with, even if some people meet me and are like, meh, I don't want to hang out with her. (laughs) And if you're wishing someone in your life would behave differently towards you so that you could feel better about yourself, again, ask yourself, why am I wanting them to be different? What do I believe I'd get to think and feel if they were? Whatever it is that you'd like their behavior to prove, You get to already believe it's true right now. You get to believe anything you want about you. You get to believe you're good enough, fun, interesting, smart, attractive, regardless of which humans agree and which don't. So your work is to decide what it is you want to believe about yourself and nurture those beliefs. 
In the link in the show notes, I've attached a self-esteem building kit, which will be really, really helpful for you. It includes a few concrete, logical tools to work on nurturing new beliefs and helping you go from your current negative beliefs about yourself to maybe something more neutral or even positive. So definitely go and check that out and download it. Okay, guys, that's all I've got for you today. Let's pray that next week my throat sounds and feels a little bit better. (laughs) But until then, have an amazing weekend and I'll speak to you next week. Bye. If you're loving this podcast, you can also hang out with Rebecca on Instagram and TikTok at Rebecca or Coaching. Don't forget to sign up to her email list for exclusive freebies and for more information on her one-to-one and group coaching programs. 